Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rough Riders Rescue Tales podcast. My name is Christian Meyer, founder and president of Rough Riders, Saving Dogs on Death Row. Each week we'll feature a new tale of rescue, interviews with amazing people who affect the rescue community, and feature a local dog looking for their forever home in our unadoptable segment. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Rough Riders Rescue Tales podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Three Paws Thursday. Three Paws Thursday is our very own email newsletter. Hitting your inbox every Thursday, this newsletter is a quick read featuring three tidbits encompassing new Rough Riders news, behind the scenes, upcoming events, community engagement, and even fun dog-related quotes. Sign up for the Three Paws Thursday newsletter at roughriders.org and stay on top of the latest happenings in the world of Rough Riders. Well, we're back with an all-new Bigger and Better podcast. Uh, if you listened to any of our previous episodes and followed along and noticed that uh, the podcast just sort of stopped uh, late last year, there's actually a very good reason for it. Uh, basically, the story behind that is uh, in October, I was transporting a group of feral border collies to the Canadian border uh, from here in Reno, uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, basically Wyoming. Uh, I noticed that my taste buds began to feel a little funny, and I noticed that uh, I lost all movement on the right side of my face. Uh, I was afraid it was a stroke. Uh, I called my mother, who was a former nurse, and we ran through the stroke protocols. Luckily, it wasn't a stroke. Everything on the right side of my body worked fine. It was just the right side of my face. Uh, still very concerning, but not as concerning as a stroke would have been. Uh, it turns out that what it was was a more severe version of uh, Bell's palsy called Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. Over the last four months, I've needed to basically relearn how to talk, eat, and drink, and unfortunately, the condition has uh, yet to show any signs of improving. Uh, you'll notice as I talk, it sounds a little bit like I've got some marbles in my mouth. Uh, this is a vast improvement uh, over the way it was when it initially happened. Needless to say, I was a little gun shy on making new podcast episodes. So I figured, what the heck, let's go for it. Let's go ahead and get into our first rescue tale of the year. This rescue tale comes to us from the Forever USA Rescue Heroes 2018 coffee table book. This story in particular is Baxter and Layla. After we lost our seven-year-old pit bull to an autoimmune disorder, my husband and I spent most of our time focusing on our other pit bull, Layla. With her calming and soft demeanor, she was a soothing presence to me. Layla was my safe space offering unconditional, pure love and comfort. In October 2017, my husband brought me to Reno SPCA to look at dogs. I cried the entire time, and then we saw Baxter, a two-year-old pit bull who had been there for three weeks. He had spent much of his previous life in and out of the shelters. We brought Layla in for a play date, and faster than we knew, Baxter was on his way home with us. Mike builds Ulta Beauty stores around the West Coast, and he is gone for long periods of time. Baxter chose Mike right away. He is all about his dad. He loves him so much that he likes to sleep on Mike's head. Mike turns into the biggest goober with Baxter. He is a big construction guy that totally softens up with him. I can tell it means everything to him that Bax chose him. His face lights up, he smiles, and I can see he is able to be who he is, 
authentically with Baxter. He is being received, loved unconditionally, with no judgment. Bax follows him everywhere, sits on the couch with him, and can just be his guy. Baxter can see into Mike's heart and the beautiful human that he is, not just the tough construction guy that everyone else sees. Layla is Mama's girl. She can't hear to protect anymore, but having her there, spooning at night, brings comfort and fills the loneliness when Mike is away. Being a therapist, I deal with crisis and madness all day. When I come home to Layla, she gives me the calm, unconditional love I need. It's the one place I can be 100% who I am, transparent without any judgment. My home is a safe place. Layla doesn't demand anything of me. Our love is pure. Mike takes comfort in knowing Layla and Baxter are there for me when he's away. He wouldn't feel confident in leaving without them providing the companionship I need. They get me out of my head from the work I do each day. Home is happy because of them. Because of them, we are getting to raise kids together. Mike never had kids, so these are his children. Together, we are family. This rescue tale was sponsored by Forever USA. One of the most moving experiences we've ever had as dog owners was sharing Tahoe's rescue story with our friends over at Forever USA. Currently located in Reno and Sacramento, Forever USA is a unique photography concept capturing beautiful moments with fur families and their rescue dogs and sharing inspiring stories of how their dogs in turn rescued them. The best part is, for every photography session booked and completed, Forever USA will donate $100 to the rescue organization of your choice. That's right. You can choose Rough Riders as the recipient of a generous $100 donation when you take part in the Forever Photography Experience. In addition to having the option to purchase wall art, prints, and display boxes commemorating the bond you have with your rescue pet, your rescue story and photographs have the opportunity to be featured in Forever's annual coffee table book. Tahoe even made this year's back cover, and we're thrilled with the way his story was represented. To learn more or book your own forever photography experience, visit roughriders.org forward slash forever dash USA. That's forward slash F-U-R-E-V-E-R dash USA. So with me today are the owners of Geopetric. Uh, Geopetric is a stylish animal accessories company that promotes cruelty-free and eco-friendly products with geometric designs accented by natural cork, and all of this with a charitable mission. Uh, those owners are Christina and Tyson. Say hello. Hey, guys. <laughs> and so uh, just sort of diving straight into it, uh, what was your guys' motivation for starting Geopetric? So yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, Christine and I, we did a road trip across America with kind of no time frame in, in mind. And um, along that way, about two weeks into the road trip, we were bored on a Saturday and we actually stopped to an animal shelter in St. Pete, Florida, and uh, just to browse. And sure enough, we walked away with a puppy and he came with, you know, his little set of uh, collar and leash from the shelter. And uh that lasted, you know, probably from Florida all the way to Oregon, maybe somewhere along that area. And uh, so it was time to get him a new a new set. And we really couldn't find anything that we felt fit his personality and fit our style. So uh, 
we kind of wanted to just see if we could create our own design and sure enough uh, we did and we figured out how to start making dog products and uh you know putting our own flair into it that's very cool uh, had you searched out there for products that sort of matched what your style was and just couldn't find anything yeah we we when we were searching we found just uh you know like skull patterns bones you know the the typical type of products you'll see on the market if you walk in any big pet store and uh, we did actually find one harness somewhere along the way that we loved it was it really fit our style but it was just a one-off and he ended up chewing that one up unfortunately <laughs> so we had to uh think quick and, and we just i just started putting some materials together in our rv and sure enough we come up with something we liked and we threw it on our social media page and it seemed like other people started to like it too. So we decided to create a whole company around it. At the time we'd already had a business uh, that was in play and it was uh, an accessories company. So it was actually not, you know, that outside of our scope to be creating in the RV and to be kind of, you know, developing and manufacturing ideas. So we had just not ever, you know, really taken that next step into pet products. But a lot of our customers that were, humans were buying our gear and requesting things for their pets so it was kind of a very organic natural next phase for that business at the time and uh it just sort of really took off and went to another level faster and and um you know just in in a really exciting way so it just kind of happened for us yeah, that's amazing when you can set out to do something and something completely different comes out of that and uh, takes off. Now, how long has Geopetric been around? So Geopetric, the pet brand, um, like Christina said briefly, we, we had an e-commerce store that we made stuff uh, for humans about five years ago, six or probably six years ago. And Geopetric started about two and a half years ago. Um, when we broke off and it did into strictly pet products. Gotcha. And aside from obviously the name Geopetric being a, a play on, you know, the geometric designs of, of what you guys have, uh, you know, what's the story behind uh, coming up with that name and setting that name as your company? So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it derived directly from geometric shapes. Um, I do a lot of the design work and I just always was drawn to uh, geometric patterns and I just, find them fascinating and we were actually driving down to visit Christina's sister in Fort Lauderdale and it's about a three and a half real boring drive from Orlando and we're like okay let's come up with a name and so that whole car ride we kind of shot names back and forth that made sense and Geopetric was one that stuck and and so that's how it became about. That's great were you sort of surprised that that name hadn't been taken before? Yeah I mean I, I search names a lot and and you would be surprised what is taken. You know, you, you're like, how did somebody come up with that? But yeah, I mean, Jim Petrick, uh, I mean, I guess I was a little surprised that it was available. It's just, yeah, it's just one letter off of geometric. So. Right. <laughs> I mean, and in this day and age, yeah, pretty much any word, Variation, any random word exactly yeah. is, is pretty much taken. So tough to find. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So um, my dog Tahoe, who is our uh, mascot, he's actually the reason that uh, we started the foundation. Uh, 
has one of your Playday Martingale collars. And oh, uh, as we go out and go out on walks and, you know, he goes out with me pretty much everywhere. Everybody comments on how much they love it and how cool the design is. Uh, talk a little bit more about uh, some of the products you offer, not only for dogs, but also cats and humans as well. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I love the name Tahoe, too. That's a great dog. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we offer, you know, we started with just dog collars and then went to leashes, I think was the natural step after that. And then um, found that a lot of people don't like to walk their dogs on the actual collar. So we developed a harness and we didn't want to leave our cat friends out. So we obviously came up with some cat collars as well. And then just slowly, that, that that was kind of the progression. And then it was like, okay, what else can we add to the line? So then we added the bandanas that match, some cork bow ties. And then we didn't want to leave the humans out. We wanted to kind of give a feature to match the uh, pet products. So we put our minds together and came up with the easiest thing that would be good would be some matching bracelets and some matching key loops for your Go ahead, Christina. You look like you're about to say something. <laughs> well, it's just, it's one of those things to where, um, like we had mentioned initially, we had started with a brand for humans. So we knew um, the human side of the market. And when Geopetric launched uh, officially on its own, we knew we didn't want to let go of that connection. Obviously, the connection you have with your pet is really, really powerful. And um, we wanted to make sure that was something that always stayed in. So that's kind of part of why we worked so hard to make sure we had something for both sides. And then, of course, as Tyson mentioned, it's like any small business as you grow. You know, we started with the things that we could and the ideas that we had, but we always wanted to see the lines and collections be something that were really eye-catching and, and matched. And obviously with our patterns being as bold as they are, finding something that looks good with one piece at a random store, if we aren't providing it, may not necessarily be that easy. So, you know, we really wanted everything to be kind of very unified and and give pets the whole style vibe, uh, you know, and and I guess, you know, give something that we'd be proud to wear as people to matching our pet. That's exactly it. And, you know, pet owners, as you know, are some of the most dedicated consumers ever. Um, you know, they love their pets wholeheartedly and they'll do everything they can to show it. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's kind of one of the most exciting things we've experienced in, in moving towards the pet products industry is pet owners are such a fun customer. They love their pets. They obviously are very passionate people. They're very compassionate people. And um, you really get a, a special buyer when you're working with that customer. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, is it true that your products are all made here in the U.S.? Yeah, that's true. We, we, um, we also, we had a couple of you know, preliminary discussions when we decided to launch Geopetric. And there were a lot of things that were really important to us. And a couple of those facets were that we wanted to do everything we could to be a socially responsible company. So um, providing jobs for fair wage here in America was a really big deal to us. And uh, also things like you know, the eco-friendly component and the charitable side, those were things that were uh, kind of non-negotiables for us. So we worked really hard to try and 
you know, keep that, that philosophy um, going and to make sure that our company was doing the best job it could for our community, you know, on the whole. That's awesome. Yeah, it's so easy nowadays to get products manufactured in China or Vietnam, um, but keeping them here in the U.S. obviously gives that uh, little bit more um, uh, commitment behind it uh, that I know consumers really appreciate. Yeah, and another thing to us was quality control. You know, we want to we see everything before it goes out. We want to see it while it's being made. Whereas if you're going overseas a lot, yeah, you can probably – you can't compete with that price you can get overseas, but you know, we, we want to make sure that our products are being made the way we want them made. That's awesome. And so you also mentioned that uh, the products are cruelty free and eco-friendly. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think you touched on one point you'll notice with our personalized collars, um, we engrave, pet names on them. And with those personalized dog collars, it uses cork, which it's called cork leather in a material, but it's actually uh, a material that's derived from oak trees. So it's a completely vegan material. And that, again, is something that kind of goes back to our roots with our, our original brand that we had. So we'd already gained a lot of knowledge and information and familiarity with that material. So it really helped us segue into knowing what we wanted out of our pet products. And, um, you know, we're working with recycled bottles webbing for where we, well, with our webbing that we print our custom designs on um, for pretty much everything else in the line. So it's, um, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a challenge to keep the quality and the ethics involved and, and sometimes, you know, it, it comes with its own set of, of frustrations to make that happen, but it's something we work really hard at every day to thread into the brand. That's great. And then you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the cork leather. I, you know, I love the bow ties that are made, you know, almost exclusively out of it. Um, was that something that carried over from your pre previous business, uh, you know, incorporating the cork with the bold designs, or where did that idea come from? Yeah, the previous business um, did use a lot of cork leather with crazy bold designs as well. But the bow ties, yeah, they just, it was just kind of like one of those things like, okay, what can we, what else can we make with this cork leather? And because uh, it was a big component of our original brand. So yeah, we figured out a way to make a dog bow tie. And I don't know if Christina touched on this about why cork leather is such a cool process, but when it's being harvested, um, they actually take the shavings from the oak trees, which eventually extends the life of that tree up to 20 plus years. So I thought that was a pretty cool feature as well. That was a big component why we wanted to actually go with cork leather in itself. Yeah, that's amazing. Anytime, uh, you know, somebody can make sustainable uh, products, you know, it, it's so much better than, you know, things that, uh, you know, you may not have those resources, you know, a couple of years down the line. Yeah, exactly. So now another big component of what you guys do is giving back to nonprofits. Uh, where did the idea uh, behind that come from? Well, we're, we're huge animal lovers ourselves. And, um, you know, when we adopted our first one, Jax, who we kind of owed the business to, the, <laughs> the company, the brand to, um, for having us create his own collar for him, the spoiled dog. But, yeah, I mean, just, just there's so many 
homeless animals out there that need help. And it's it just, you know, it's heartbreaking, especially, you know, you guys deal with a lot of kill shelters and stuff. And a lot of these animals don't have a place to go. So we feel it's real important to do anything we can to give back to help out in that situation. That's great. Uh, as far as the rescues and shelters that you guys have given back to, uh, do you find that they're mostly localized to where you're at on the East Coast, or do they sort of span all across the country? Yeah, I mean, they they all over the world. I mean, we've donated wow. to some in Australia. Uh, we have a link on our site where a lot of the shelters can apply to, you know, receive the donations, and we vet them to make sure that they're actually, you know, a nonprofit and um they're a legit company and then and then we they go into the list of uh who we donate to and another thing we also do is any kind of defected product that's functional and might have like a misprint of you know like a speck of ink got in the wrong place or um maybe when it was being sewn it slid off just like a hair you know just a tick and we don't feel comfortable selling it to our customers we have a um a recycle, an upcycle program, and we'll donate a lot of perfectly good gear to animal shelters as well, um, which which we enjoy doing. So, and that that's more of a local thing, just from a standpoint, because there's so many local uh, shelters where we are. It's just easier to get the product to them rather than ship it all over the world. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that's a huge help for the rescues and shelters, you know, mm-hmm. um, from adopting animals out to the foster programs. I mean, we go through so many collars and leashes that, uh, you know, people don't think about that. They love donating food. They love donating crates and bowls, yeah. but uh, they rarely consider collars and leashes. Especially the martingale collars. Um, they, they typically like to have those, you know, for the rescue so they don't they can't slip out of them very easy. That's exactly it. And they're a great training tool as well. Absolutely. Yep. So we try and uh, definitely get the martingales to them if we can. I think one other thing, too, that, um, you know, is kind of, as you just mentioned, what people may more commonly donate that might be a little unique to our brand is we did specifically want to donate monetary value out of our business um, just knowing that we had obviously had previous relationships um, with shelters and we we ourselves have three dogs from three different shelters and we've worked with a lot of different shelters and um, we kept hearing the feedback that that was a challenge for them was that a lot of people will donate maybe food or, you know, beds, the products, just actual goods and that a lot of times they need money for transportation or vet bills anything really to help cover the overhead even just to keep the lights on so that was one of the reasons that we specifically worked to make sure there was a monetary donation with each sale versus just um, product donations as well and of course we didn't want to leave that out like Tyson mentioned so we try to uh, keep our lights on keep the business moving but always have that um, ability to make sure there's room for us to give gear and to give financially. And that's always a huge help to the nonprofits. You know, uh, uh, a lot of nonprofits struggle to fundraise and, and to, to bring money in. And, you know, every little bit helps, uh, you know, especially for the, the small to medium-sized guys. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we were shocked when we met with a local shelter here in town and they were kind of telling us their monthly 
overhead and it was just insane i couldn't believe how much they have to spend on vet bills and all this stuff and i mean they have tons of employees or volunteers you know fortunately but i mean just just the vet bills alone they said it was just outrageous yeah we often say that uh, animal welfare is like a uh, um, uh, a card building that uh, as soon as you finish building it up one little thing happens it all crumbles down you have to build it up again um you know, as much as we try to educate the public, you know, it's it's an uphill battle, but uh, every life we save um, is is super important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So now you mentioned that you guys have, uh, was it three or four rescue animals? Did you grow up, uh, you know, taking dogs from shelters as family pets, um, or is this something that's relatively recent to you? Well, in my household, we we always had cats and dogs growing up. I don't really remember exactly how we acquired them because I was pretty young. But uh, we we always had um, cats and dogs. And uh, Christina's family, I know, had dogs and cats as well. But yeah. did you guys rescue yours from <laughs> I think my parents are saints. Um, my sister and I were the kids that we would find a stray and bring it home and beg our parents to let us keep it. And of course they always did from cats to dogs, to turtles, anything that we, anything that needed care. We, we were um, very, you know, apt to want to take over. (laughs) So um, yeah, rescuing was always something big in my family too. And then, uh, Tyson and I knew that we were very excited to adopt a pet and we knew that for us, um, you know, a shelter pet has, it it just, I don't think it was ever really even a a question of anything else. I think it's always been just a given that we would go to shelters to rescue. Yeah. There's always something more rewarding about, you know, adopting a shelter pet or a rescue dog, as opposed to, you know, calling somebody up on Craigslist or going to the local pet store. Um, you know, there's that, that, that self, uh, worth that comes through when, uh, you know, you, you're essentially saving a dog's life. Absolutely. Yeah. There's such a need that, you know, of course we don't want to ever negatively portray that we, you know, have any ill feelings towards, people that obtain their pets in other manners but for us yeah shelter pets just are amazing we, we've just had such good fortune they come with their own personalities and maybe a couple of challenges along the way but it it does make it all the more rewarding when you earn their trust and their love and and we, i'd say each of our three dogs that we have right now has a very unique story they all come from different places, very different personalities, but they uh, they add so much to our lives. And, and I, I just don't think we could imagine anything, you know, anything without them. <laughs> they go everywhere with us and are involved in every aspect of life. That's so cool. So uh, one of the things that uh, really sort of sets you guys apart is your Instagram pages. You've got uh, almost 24,000 followers on Geopetric Pets and uh, just a little over 34,000 followers on your main Geopetric website. Um, Can you explain the idea behind incorporating everything into Instagram and how you guys were able to get it to grow so huge? Yeah, so um, 
I think the original company had a pretty good following, which kind of helped launch a good presence on Instagram for us. And we just try and have people send us photos of their pets and gear. And fortunately, we have a lot of really good photographers that purchase our gear and take awesome photos of the pets, which in return, we can post on our page and tag them and give them a little shout out, which we try and do as much as possible. Um, another thing is we have an affiliate program that uh, really involves people and allows them to kind of be an ambassador of our brand and uh, make commissions on sales. And uh, that that community is growing. And I, I feel like that support and that kind of network has really helped our business grow, especially on Instagram, as far as Instagram goes. Yeah, and so we're part of your affiliate program. Uh, we had signed up uh, actually when we bought uh, Tahoe's uh, collar, and then you guys just relaunched the program with a new uh, dashboard. Are there any big changes to it, or basically you moved to a system that's a little bit easier to uh, manage? Uh, actually, as far as the program's concerned, there's no major changes to how the program itself functions. The reason we uh, moved to this new dashboard was to give affiliates something that they'd been asking for, which was a little more visibility into their activity with our brand. So the new dashboard allows the affiliates to have their own private login and to see how they're performing. And to it also kind of um, expanded the ways that they were able to reach their potential uh, customers, I guess, if you will. Um, and that allows them now to have like live active URL links that they can share beyond just a promo code. And so it's, it's really just about kind of give, meeting a need that a lot of affiliates I think we're looking for over time. That's awesome. And your affiliate program is great. Um, you know, anybody who goes in with the promo code, it's 20% off uh, any product. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, for, for all of our affiliates, uh, shoppers, the people they share their personal code with, it's giving 20% off on all of our store at any time. They can use the code as frequently as they want. There's no limitations for people to use our affiliates codes over and over and over again. So um, gives the affiliates a chance to always enjoy a commission for doing something that we really appreciate, which is sharing our brand with people that they care about. And then of course, it allows anybody that uses that code to, to get a little bit of um, a special price every time they shop. That's awesome. Yeah, between uh, you know the products being made in the U.S., uh, the portion that you give back to nonprofits, and then you know the affiliate discount, uh, you know, a lot of people would think that, uh, you know, a, a discount would be much less given those two other factors. But, uh, you know, just putting all of those things combined, it's very apparent that you guys are. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> we just that... actually met Jack and Sweet Pea. <laughs> wow. The UPS guy knew he was going to do it. <laughs> well, we get a lot of deliveries, a lot of oh, I bet. and things at all times, every day. So um, <laughs> the dogs are the welcoming committee. <laughs> I assume uh, Jax is the big dog and uh, Sweet Pea's the little one. <laughs> <laughs> we have one big guy and two smaller ones. And... Well, don't let it fool you. Sweet Pea's the boss. Oh, trust me. We've got uh, two pit bulls <laughs> and then two miniature dachshunds, and the miniature oh. dachshunds are the ones that uh, run the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
<laughs> that seems to, to be pretty heart. common too. <laughs> oh, I don't know what little man syndrome or something. Oh. That's exactly it. But uh, yeah, so in any case, you know, the what you guys put together as far as, you know, made in the U.S. and giving back to nonprofits and offering generous discounts, uh, you know, it's very apparent that, uh, you know, you guys are looking to uh, really give back and, you know, you're not here just to make the most amount of money possible. You really want to make a difference. And, uh you know, as a nonprofit, you know, it's always fun to come across companies that uh, have that sort of mentality. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it's not the easiest route to go, I, I guess, when starting a business. But like Christina touched on, it, it was re- it was real important to us as like our pedigree and, and what we stood for. And we're just, you know, trying to learn every day as we go, um, just trying to keep growing and growing smarter and and just be the best company we can be. Which is great. And, you know, we'll do our part on our side to uh, try and, uh, you know, put your guys' name out there, build you up, uh, hopefully get some uh, bigger following here on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really appreciative of, you know, what you guys do for the uh, animal welfare community. Yeah, well, thank you. We thank really you. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. We, we really appreciate um, anybody that has taken the time to notice us. And to participate with us, obviously, to shop us, it does mean a lot to us. And obviously, more than anything, it ends up meaning a lot to the people that we're able to then, in turn, try and help and support. That's awesome. So now, aside from Instagram, where else can you guys be found online? Well, we have we have a Facebook page. Um, you mean socially? Uh, socially. And then, uh, obviously, if you want to give the Geopetric uh, URL, it's pretty straightforward, but uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely um, our website is uh, the number one way our customers shop us, and that is www.geopetric.com. Uh, just the word geometric with a P instead of the M in there. Um, and uh, we, you know, we also have a couple of shops you'll find us in occasionally. So we do offer wholesale for um, pet shop retailers and things like that. But um, we're on primarily on Instagram for sure. That's where I think most people end up finding us. And then like Tyson mentioned, we have a Facebook page as well, but I'd say probably the majority of our, our customer interaction with our brand happens on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram's kind of like our outlet to show you the brand, I guess, because a website, you can only show so much. Uh, mm-hmm. We wanted to keep the website very simple and basic. So Instagram's where we can kind of just like show more about the company. It's got our personality there. Yeah. 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 You guys are definitely killing it there. Now, if anybody wanted to reach out to you about the affiliate program or wholesale, um, would the website be the best place to contact you through? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can come to us on Instagram too or on Facebook. Um, but the website does have some great resources on the website people can actually go and apply directly to the affiliate program on there and the same thing with uh nonprofit animal rescues they can submit their information directly on our website and then for wholesale information and to learn more about retailing our products uh the contact us page has a an email address that they can get all of our wholesale catalog and everything 
Perfect. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Rough Riders is part of your affiliate program, so Rough Riders followers and listeners can get that 20% off. Uh, we've set up a custom link, which is a bit.ly link. That's uh, bit.ly forward slash geopetric with a capital G. And so, uh, you know, you can definitely do your part in giving back to the nonprofits that are part of the program at the same time, save 20% off uh, any of the stylish products. Uh, Christina Tyson, uh, I really appreciate you guys uh, jumping on the call with me. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit more about us with you know, all of your supporters. It means a lot to us. And yeah, not a problem. All the work you do out there on the West Coast for the animals and me. That's very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christian. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You guys, too. Now, on this unadoptable segment, we're featuring Hagrid. Uh, Hagrid was formerly known as Grayson, and he had previously been featured on the unadoptable segment. Uh, we changed his name to Hagrid because uh, Grayson, with the uh, way my faces uh, came out raisin, and uh, just uh, was too hard to try and to explain to people. Regardless, uh, we're going to go ahead and rehash how he came to us, what he can offer you. Uh, he'd make a great pet for adoption. Now, Hagrid came to us during our October rescue run. He was found as a stray with obvious signs that he had spent a good amount of time on the streets. He needed entropian surgery, where his eyelashes were growing back into his eyes, and a tooth extraction, which unfortunately made him a candidate for euthanasia in the SoCal shelter he was in. Luckily, he was pulled by our friends at Gracie's Pitbull Rescue, who had all of his medical needs taken care of, including the surgeries, neuter, and vaccinations. Now, Hagrid has been a foster resident of our household since then, uh, where he's grown to love his foster brother and sisters. Now, he really wants nothing more than to cuddle with whoever will make the best body pillow for him, and he absolutely loves car rides. Uh, he's got a bit of a bull in a china shop personality, uh, doesn't care who or what he runs into as he makes his way into a room. He, he's just a carefree oaf. Now, we've been working with him on improving a few quirks that he has, including some separation anxiety, learning how to listen better, and showing affection through kisses and not nibbles. He likes to show you that love by uh, nibbling on you with his little front teeth. Now, he would make a great pet for a family who's home a lot or can take him with them wherever they go. He's gentle with animals of all ages, genders, and sizes, and gets along great with kids basically elementary school age and up. Now, if you want to request a meeting with Hagrid or you want to learn more about him, go to our website, roughwriters.org forward slash unadoptables, where you can see him there, get some information on him, and reach out to us if you're interested in meeting him. Hopefully, this helps find him his forever home. He's been a great foster resident for us, and we hope he finds something loving and permanent. Well, that does it for this week's episode. We appreciate you sticking around. Please check us out online at roughwriters.org or on Facebook and Instagram at Rough Writers Saves. Until next week, I'm Christian Meyer with Rough Writers Saving Dogs on Death Row. Rescue on. <laughs>